Is God good? Come on. Give him some praise this morning. He's good. You know how I know he's good? Because summer came back this week, y'all. It is 90 degrees yesterday. Oh, we love summer in Maine, don't we? Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Adam Harold, and uh, my, my wife, Tanya, and I, we have the privilege of leading this church, this community called The Refuge. Together, we're a team. Um, she's very much a part of this as much as I am. And I always say, you know, I couldn't do it without her. And she couldn't do it without me on most days. <laughs> we love you guys. We really do. And if you're visiting for the first time, we just want to introduce ourselves. We want, we want you to feel like you're at home. And uh, we just ask you to fill out a card um, in, the, in the chair in front of you. Um, or if you're on the front row, then you can go to the back and get the chair off the back row. <laughs> get the card off the back row. Uh, fill that out. I just want to send you a card this week just to say thank you for sharing your Sunday with us. Um, it's It feels good. to be with people who love Jesus, who are doing it for him. But we don't want this just to be a feeling. Because I don't know about you, but my feelings come and go. I feel good one minute, I feel bad the next. My feelings, they lead me astray. But we want you to carry on what God is doing in your life. Because God, when God does it in your heart, then it becomes not just a feeling, but a lifestyle. My pastor always says this. He says, heart change happens in a moment, but life change happens over time. You can come in here, you can feel good, and you can go home feeling good, but then someone cuts you off on the way home and all of a sudden, all the feeling is gone. And someone will cut you off. You get behind a plate, Massachusetts, oh, here we go. If you're from Massachusetts, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you just, your feeling's going to go away. But the word of God lasts forever. And that's why in the book of Psalms, the psalmist wrote and he said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. It has to be a part of your heart so that when the feelings of goodness fade away, 
you can say, I'm not standing on my feelings. I'm standing on the word of God. So if you're here, and you don't know what you've gotten yourself into, welcome. We're glad you're here. And we promise what you've gotten yourself into, you can get yourself out of it, but it's going to be hard. Because there's people around you that love you. that want God's best for you. And so we're not going to let you get away easy. Because God doesn't let us get away easy. He continuously pursues after us. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I hope you are. Are you happy you're here today? Come on. All right. We're going to get into God's word this morning. Thank you, Christina. That just takes it to another level. Where the Nord is, the Lord is, y'all. The Nord is the type of piano that is, by the way. Um, and that's like the third time I've said y'all today. I don't know. I didn't even go south this morning. I don't know what in the world is going on with me. Uh, this morning we're in a series called The Hood that we started last week. And I told you a story about how my wife and I took the dog on a walk. And um, I was talking about, about Mother's Day and Father's Day and how we wanted it to work. And she was like, we should do a series called The Hood. And it, we should do it two parts. And it should be Mother's Day. And Father's Day, we talk about motherhood and fatherhood. And so I was like, how many weeks are there between motherhood and fatherhood? One, two. So I counted, uh, while we're walking the dog, I counted the number of weeks, and it was eight weeks. And I said, eight weeks. Okay, so how many hoods can we, talk, can we, can we think about? How many hoods can we come up with? And so a lot of times we'll get in a series, and it'll be based on a passage of Scripture. This is based on a passage of scripture, but that's not where we got it from. We got it from our, uh, our thought process of thinking about all the different words that end in hood. And so last week we began the series by talking about motherhood. And this week we're, we're continuing the series by talking about priesthood. Priesthood. Now, you guys are like, priesthood? I thought this was a Protestant church. It is a Protestant church. Um, but uh, we're, so we're not Catholic, but we're going to talk about priesthood and why. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to call each other father uh, when you leave here today. You don't have to call each other mother. You don't have to wear a white collar when you leave or anything like that. But I got good news for all of you. You are all priests as long as you have accepted Jesus into your heart. And I'm going to explain all of that this morning. And it is so rich and so deep. And I'm so in love. with the word of God because it's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. When I apply it to my, to my path, I can see clearly. So this morning, our, our desire is that you see a little clearer this morning as we talk about 
priesthood. So suffixes are the, the, the words, I'm going to get a little bit into English here. Um, any English teachers in the house? All right, so you can't, so, so you're not going to, so there, there is Google in, on, in the house. So I know you got Google, you're going to fact check me and all that stuff. I get it. You're welcome to do that. By the way, I hope you fact check the preacher every week. All right, so uh, don't just take my word for it. Um, so a suffix is a word, like, like the ending of a word that makes a word another word. So for example, sister is a word, and hood, you put hood on, t- on it, and it becomes sisterhood, which is just, just the state of being a sister, right? It's, it's, it's the state or the, or the time frame of being a sister. It's, it's the ending of, of a word that makes it another, another word. And so today we're talking about priesthood. Priesthood, why the word priesthood? Why in the world are we talking about priesthood? This isn't a Catholic church, although it will get ca- quiet like a Catholic church, right? Um, it's a little quiet like a Catholic church right now. Um, priesthood simply means the office or dignity of a priest, but a, a priest isn't, isn't necessarily just, it's not a Catholic thing, right? Not, not exactly. Let me, let me explain. Webster's Dictionary defines priest as someone who is authorized to perform a sacred rite or sacred rites of a religion, especially as a mediatory agent between humans and God. A mediatory agent between humans and God. When I say that we're all priests, if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, what I'm saying is you can mediate on behalf of people in your life to God. So a mediator between God and man. That's all a priesthood. We've, we've made it about white collars and fathers and nuns and all this stuff. But that's not what it is. It's just a mediator between God and man. So let me explain to you the way the Old Testament does. In the Old Testament, there was, there was a tabernacle, and, um, and, and that, was, that was the first portable church, y'all. Like, like port- there I go saying y'all again. Portable church, right? We've done that. We've been there. We've done that. We did it for three years. We set up. We tore down we've, in the high school, and, and, and we, were, we had our, our tabernacle, Right? You guys didn't know that that was what that was all about, but, but, but you participated, and I'm so thankful. And so um, in the, in the, then the tabernacle became the temple when King Solomon built, built the temple. And in both the tabernacle and the temple, there was this place in the, in the, in the tabernacle. It was the, the final station of the tabernacle. It was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, the reason they called it the Holy of Holies was because it was the most holy place. It was the most holy place in all the, all the temple. And the reason it was the most holy place was because it was believed that that's where God's presence dwelt. It wasn't just believed that way. It was true that way. That God's presence dwelt in the holy of holies. And guess who was the only person that was allowed to enter the holy of holies? The priest. Moses was one of them. Okay, so I'll give that answer. That's good. Aaron, Aaron was one of them, right? So Moses would go up to the Mount, Mount Sinai, right? And he would appear. So that, that's, that was kind of before the tabernacle that Moses got involved. So you're advanced, young man. 
So the priest was the only person that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only person that was allowed to, what what do priests do? They mediate to God on behalf of human beings. It was only the priest that was allowed to do that. And so the Holy of Holies was was this place in the tabernacle that was separated by, does anyone know what separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the, temp- the tabernacle? It was a curtain. The curtain separated the Holy of Holies, and so the priest would then enter the curtain and go into the presence of God. The curtain separated the rest of humans from God, so the priest had to go on behalf of the humans into the Holy of Holies, in- to behind the curtain to intercede on behalf of the people. That was in the Old Testament. But let me show you what happens in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. By the way, if you have your phones, uh, you can follow along with all of today's notes in the YouVersion Bible app. You get out those. Uh, so there's a there's a a graphic on the screen that tells you how to find that. Uh, if you don't have the U Version Bible app, then it's time that you get it because it is good. Fun fact about the Holy of Holies, real quick, because this is really cool. In in Israel today, there's this place that's called it's called two different names. It's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. The reason the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall is, there, is still there is because it is said that it's the only wall that remains from Solomon's temple. When King Solomon built the temple. I don't, how people don't believe God's word, I don't, I don't understand it. Because there's literally a wall that was a part of a temple that God's word thousands and thousands of years ago told us was going to be there. And it is still there today. God's word is true. So Solomon's wall, Solomon's temple, this wall is is known as the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And it is said by no coincidence that that wall in Solomon's temple was the closest to guess where? The Holy of Holies. You're with me. That wall was closest to the most holy place. And it's the only, it's no significance that it's the only wall that remains. And so guess what t- today happens? Today, people go to the Western Wall, to the Wailing Wall, and pray to God because they don't need a priest anymore, hallelujah. And they can go to the wall, and they can pray on behalf of other people. So you've been coming to the Refuge Church for very long. You've met a friend of ours by the name of Luke Walters. Luke Walters is, uh, he leads a ministry called MAP 1040. It's a, um, it's, a, it's, a mission, it's a mission to reach the, the, uh, the 1040 window, which is, no, which is often known as the, the most unreached people of the world that don't know about Jesus. And so Luke Walters, our good friend, he's pre- I think he's spoken here three times now, um, probably the most of anyone else that's not named Adam or Tanya Harold. And, um, and he's just, he's just a, a dear friend. Luke goes to the, the Holy Land probably, uh, I don't know, he probably goes six times a year, I kid you not. And, um, and he goes all the time. And just last month, he was in Israel. And he sends me a picture. And um, it was a picture of the, the Wailing Wall. 
And he said, hey, I want you to know, I just wrote on a card, the Refuge Church, Wyndham, Maine. And I went to the wall and I prayed for your church specifically. And I took that card and I folded it up and I put it inside the wailing wall in the crevice there. So your name, the name of your church is at the wailing wall. Is that, is that cool? Is, am I the only one that thinks that that's cool? So we're closer to Jesus now, right? That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not how it works. Praise God that's not how it works. <laughs> Praise God we have a direct line. That we, don't have to, we don't have to fly thousands of miles. Anyway. Um, so let me read for you uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, because it's so important. Then Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split apart and the tombs opened and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. What happened to the curtain when Jesus died? It tore in two. And why was that done? Because we needed a high priest to step in and to die in place of our sins so that we don't have to die for our sins, to redeem us and to tear the curtain in two so that now we have access, unlimited access to God. Because we have the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we can go to him any moment. At any moment, we can go to him. We don't need a priest to do it. That's why we don't do confessionals at the Refuge Church. Because we don't have to. Because the curtain has been torn. Now, I'm working a little bit backwards today because normally I'll give the big idea at the beginning of the message. You know why I do that? Because in case I lose you during the, 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 the sermon... <laughs> you at least take home the big idea. The one thing that I want you to take home, normally I give it to you at the beginning so that you can fall asleep for the rest of the service. You can't fall asleep today or you're not going to get it. You're not going to take it. Hang with me. Are you with, I, I, love the ele- I love the 11 o'clock. I love the energy. In order for, for us to have unlimited access to the Holy of Holies. We had to have a rabbi step in because before, in Hebrew culture, before the rabbi was the only person that was allowed so that we needed another rabbi that would step in and say, this, this curtain, it doesn't need to be here anymore. So what made Jesus a rabbi? And not just what made Jesus a rabbi, but what made Jesus a rabbi with the authority to do what he did. So two weeks ago, uh, not two weeks ago, it was two weeks before Easter, I gave you, I I delivered a message that we we talked about the commission. Which, by the way, um, I don't know if you remember, uh, but we were having some some struggle with our recording of of the sermons. um, And we usually put them on iTunes and in our, on our website so that you can go back and listen to them. And, and we're having issues with it. Um, so um, 
a few weeks ago, I, I sat down in my, in, in, in my office at the house and I recorded that message on, a, on another uh, device so that it's available for everyone to go back and watch it. So if you feel like you've missed it, um, go back and listen to that message. But um, I told the first service that church is a lot like a sitcom. And the reason a church is a lot like a sitcom is because, one, we, we talk about our lives, right? One, I'm funny. <laughs> Two, I'm funny. Right? <laughs> Three, I married a pretty girl. Um, but, but really, it's because when you get, like my family and I, we've recently gotten into the Goldbergs. I'm not promoting the Goldbergs, but it's a great show. It's hilarious. Um, probably shouldn't watch with your little kids, but it's a great show. And, um, and it's on network TV, so I guess I can promote it. Um, but one thing that I learned about the Goldbergs especially is, is I, can wa- I can jump into season five, right? And I can kind of understand a little bit of what's going on. But I, like, in order to get the full picture of what was going on, I had to go all the way back to season one. Right. And I had a, and I had a, and, and when I watched se- season one, then season two made sense and season three made sense and season four made sense. And so church is a lot like a sitcom where you, the more you invest in the sitcom, the more you're going to get out of it. The more you invest in the church and the more you're in church every week, the more you're going to get out of it. So I don't care or I don't, I don't mind. I do care, but I don't mind that I talk about a sermon that I gave two weeks ago because I want you to know when you're not here, you miss out because we miss you. We miss you. You're part of us. Like I said, you can't get yourself out of it. You can try. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. So in, in that, that message on, uh, on two weeks before Easter, I talked about the importance of Hebrew culture and, and Hebrew educational culture. So um, Hebrew children would go to different, three different phases of, 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 of schooling. Um, the first one is known as Beit Sefer. And in Beit Sefer, they would learn the, the, to- the, the oral, oral Torah. And so they would learn Beit Sefer, and then they would graduate, and eventually, so it was Beit Sefer, Beit Talmud, and Beit Mishnah, uh, I forget what the last one is, but it doesn't matter. So the last one was very hard, and, and, and everyone, and, and you would go to the next step, you would go to the next step based on how well you did in the first step. And so I gave the analogy that, that Beit Sefer was like, um, was everyone made the team, right? Everyone went there. It was like middle school baseball team. Everyone makes it, right? But Beit Talmud, the second one, was like trying out for the high school team. Not everyone makes the high school team. You have to be pretty good at baseball. And then the, the, the third one that I can't remember the name of, <laughs> it was like going to college to play baseball. But then at the end of the third phase, if you were really good, you would go to a rabbi, and you would ask the rabbi, can I follow you? And if the rabbi thought that you had what it took to be like the rabbi, you know what he would say? Come follow me. So the words of Jesus to his disciples, come follow me, they had a lot of weight to Hebrew boys. 
Every Hebrew child wanted to be a rabbi, and not just a rabbi, but a rabbi with authority. I don't want to just be a ball player. I want to be a Hall of Fame ball player. And so they would become what's known as rabbis with authority. Do you know what the most popular question Jesus was asked in the New Testament by the, by the religious people? Who gives you the authority? You see, there were two Hebrew words that I gave you in that, in that message. And it's the first one is the word reshut. It's a Hebrew word reshut, and it means authority. The second one is the word esmiha, esmiha, which we have a Messianic Jew that comes to church here. In the first, she was in the first service this morning, and I confirmed with her. How, how do you say this? I was saying it wrong the first time, and I got it right. So I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm saying it correctly. So esmiha ceremony, the esmiha ceremony was known as the ordination service. So esmiha comes from the Hebrew word uh, semek. It's Semek. The word Semek in English means to lean upon, right? So then when a Jewish boy would, would follow the rabbi, would follow his rabbi, and when he would have his Esmiha ceremony to become a rabbi with authority, that rabbi is saying to him, you can lean upon me. Because I will give you the authority, I will give you my authority. I'm transferring my authority to you, Jack, so that you can you can have the authority. You can have the same thing that I have. You can be like me. Now look at uh, John chapter 20. I'm lost. <laughs> Look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17 says, Then Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. This was a part of Hebrew culture, was for the rabbi to follow another rabbi, to become a rabbi with authority. And so he said, we have to do all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me. Great joy. Who gives you the authority? They would ask Jesus. In fact, let's look at it in John chapter 20. One day, Jesus was teaching to the people and preaching the good news in the temple and leading the priests and teachers of religious law and the elders came to him. They demanded, by, the, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gives you the authority? Who gives you the right? Verse 3, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. First, he replied, this is Jesus. One of the things that I said in that message was that Hebrew kids would learn how to ask good questions. That, that a, a, a Jewish mom wouldn't say to his, his son, what did you learn today? Or her son today, what did you learn today? He, she would ask him, did you ask good questions? 
To be a good learner, you don't have to just, it's not about the retention, the, the, the information that you get and that you can repeat. It's about the questions that you ask to learn. So Jesus asked the question, he answered their question with a question. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? And so they talked among themselves. If we say that it was from heaven, he will ask, why didn't, why don't, why didn't we believe in John? But if we say that it's merely human, the people will stone us because they're convinced that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. If you can't figure it out, I'm not going to tell you. But what was the question that Jesus asked? He said, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? What did we just read in Matthew chapter 3? That what opened up? Heavens opened up. And like a dove, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And at that moment, Jesus has his esmiha ceremony given to him. The authority is given to him from God himself. I'm telling you, God's word is true. And so we have to have a, rab a, a rabbi, a priest with authority that's willing to step in to die in our place, to tear the curtain in two so that we can have access to the throne. Are you with me this morning? We needed a rabbi. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 2. This is probably my favorite part. Verse 7 through 10. Yes, you, this, is Peter, this is Peter writing. Peter was the guy, I don't know if you remember, he was the guy that denied that he ever knew Jesus. He was the one that denied three times. And that was pretty crazy thinking that Peter had followed Jesus as his rabbi. Probably for three years. He was the oldest of the, of the disciples. You know how we know he was oldest? Because he was married. Because Matthew talks about his mother-in-law being sick. And so, so Peter was the oldest. And, and anyway, he writes this. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, <laughs> the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. Listen, some of you came in this morning and you're stumbling in life because you haven't picked up the stone that is meant to be the most important stone of your life. His name is Jesus. And upon Jesus, on, on Christ upon the rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Some of you are stumbling today because you haven't, re you haven't accepted that cornerstone. Verse 8, he is a stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And they meet the fate that was planned for them. There's consequences. There's, like, there's consequences in life. Consequences are hard. 
But if we continue to stumble, then we, we fall. Verse 9. But you are not like that, for, you're, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priest. Who's he talking to? He's talking to us. We're royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. I am so thankful that I don't walk in darkness anymore because I am able to walk in light and be led by him. Once you had no identity as people, now you're God's people. Once you have received, uh, once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Hallelujah. We are able to receive the mercy of God because Jesus tore the curtain. Because our great priest, let me give you the big idea. You're still, if you're still with me, you earned it, right? You earned it. The big idea today is because our great priest died for us, we can reconnect to God and we can become royal priests. Because our great priest died for us, we can reconnect to God and become royal priests. Remember, a priest is a mediatory agent between humans and God. And so a mediatory agent between humans and God, meaning that we can go to God on behalf of others. Many of you are here this morning because people have gone to God on your behalf. You are their answer to their prayer. Because they're priests. But they're only priests because they've already connected to God. You see, you can't become a priest where you can mediate to God for other people without first mediating to God for you. Without connecting yourself to him. You have to connect to God for you. I can't do that for you. Your mama can't do that for you. But last Sunday, I talked about, about mothers, and I talked about how sacred the womb is. I talked about how we're a pro-life church. We believe in, in the womb. And, and I, but I talked about the reason why, because I think a lot of churches talk about being pro-life but not really talking about why. And so we talked about how sacred the womb is. Does anyone remember Jesus' uh, explanation or, or analogy, I should say? For, um, for salvation. He was talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Many of you know John chapter 3 because you've heard John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so John 3, while he's giving that, that, that John 3, 16, he's, he's, um, he's talking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And when he's talking to Nicodemus, he gives his analogy for salvation. Does anyone remember what it is? You must be born again. 
Last Sunday, I talked about how the womb, in the womb, the mom connects us to God. You are connected. 100% of human beings that have been in the womb, whether they're dead now or whether they're alive now, they were connected to God inside their mama's belly. You cannot get away from it. It's not the baby's choice to be connected to God in the, ba- in, in the belly. 100% of human beings are connected to God inside the womb. That's why the womb is sacred. But what did Jesus say? The, you must be what? You must be born again. You know what Jesus is saying? You must be reconnected to God. You have to go back to the point of your, your womb. You have to go back to where you can connect to God again, just like you were in the womb. So the millions of babies that have been aborted, they're with Jesus now. Because they died connected to God. We all have, we, listen, 100% of human beings are going to die. Pastor Adam, shouldn't you be more positive this morning? I'm positive that 100% of people are going to die. But the question is, who are you connected to when you do? Are you connected to the world or are you connected to God? Those who, are, who die connected to God enter eternity with God. Those that die connected to the world enter eternity without God. It's that simple. I don't know a better salvation message than that. You have to reconnect to God. But look at what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3 when Jesus said, you must be born again. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? You're crazy. (laughs) Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Holy Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. What are the two ways that we must be born again? Water and the Holy Spirit. I believe we have access to the Holy Spirit when we, when we, when we get saved, when we ask Jesus to come into our lives. But we all must be born of water. The way we're born of water is the reason we have the tank before you, the water trough, the horse trough, I mean. It's a horse trough. Like, we, we all see it. We're going to acknowledge that it's a horse trough. So, did you see that horse trough? Yeah, we saw it. It's a horse trough. We've got no shame in that. But Jesus was also baptized. Why was he baptized? You see, I don't think you have to be baptized to to be connected with God. I think that it helps you get connected to God. You have to have the Holy Spirit to be connected to God. But Jesus was connected to God. He was God. But he also had an esmiha ceremony where God looks at Jesus. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And if you don't have another, like if there's no other reason to get baptized, 
It's that. Baptism gives us authority that we can now go to God and ask prayers that we couldn't ask, I believe, before baptism. Because now we, ha- we are rabbis with authority. You see, there are rabbis, and there are rabbis with authority. And when we get baptized, we become rabbis with authority that can now access rooms that weren't accessible before. It's a VIP pass, y'all. must be born again. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going we're gonna to do baptism in just a moment. So if, um, if you're prepared to get baptized, you can go and, and, and get ready at this time. Come up and, and sit in the front row and just wait just like we talked about. Um, but, but here's what I want to talk to the rest of us about. I want you to know that at the refuge, we we don't want anyone to ever feel left out. Ever. We say that everyone, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. In order to belong, you have to, we, we can't let, let you feel left out. So, at the refuge, we, we've got everything that you need to be baptized. If you came this morning not prepared to get baptized, you're like, man, you know, you know, I've been wanting to get baptized. I just never have. We don't want you to have that excuse to leave without getting baptized today. So we've got shirts and we've got shorts and we've got towels. We don't have underwear because it's underwear. You can work that way out. You can work that, that stuff out by yourself. <laughs> but if you need to go to Walmart, we'll go to Walmart for you and get you some underwear for crying out loud. Walmart's across the street. But at any moment, we're going to sing another song. And at any moment, you, want to, you feel like you want to get baptized. You feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to get baptized. On the right side of the room, there's an exit. Not the, not the double doors, but the single door. There's, I'm going to have a friend in the back that's, that's got access to our, our lounge. We call it the lounge. They've got shorts, shirt, towels. They will give you that. You can go to the bathroom and you can get baptized. But the most important decision that anyone ever makes is to reconnect with God, to be born again. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning. But in order to do that, I, want, I, I need a sacred moment. So I'm going to ask for that sacred moment. Just ask everyone to, to just bow your head, close your eyes, give us this moment. There's someone in this room that needs to respond just by reconnecting with God, by confessing it with their mouth.
Is that you? If it is, do me a favor. Raise your hand so I can see it. Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else? I, Pastor Adam, I need to reconnect with God today. I need Jesus as my Savior. Anybody else? We're, we're here. No one's going anywhere. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. But before we say it, I want you to know we're going to sing a song. And if at any moment you want to get baptized, they're there in the back to help you. At any moment you need prayer, you need someone to intercede to God's throne on your behalf. My friend Dave is on my right, on your left. And he would love to pray with you this morning. As we go to God in prayer, I want to ask for myself, it helps me every, every day if I say this prayer myself out loud. So I'm going to ask everyone to join me in saying this prayer. If you believe it in your heart, then you're saved. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I need you. I ask you to come into my life by the blood of Jesus that was shed for my sin so that I could be reconnected with you. Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this song together.